Praise God. Is he good? Amen. Is he good to you? Amen. How many, how many, he's good, what was that again? And all the time? God is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. That was just a, just a great time of celebration. Was that good? Wasn't that good? Hallelujah. Just going to bring this out here. I think that'd be all right. Oh, don't, don't, don't be too good. Well, welcome this morning to Maple Street. And uh, it's great to have so many folks out this morning and uh, on this day of celebration. As we celebrate the Lord and His goodness. Amen? And we celebrate, of course, our graduates that are here this morning and the families that are here with them as well, celebrating a, just an important milestone. Um, how many remember uh, your high school graduation? I see some hands going up there. Uh, who, who, would, who would say that it's been, it's been 50 years since I walked? I see a hand. How about 40? 40? I see some 40. Oh, there's a few more. How about 30 years? Yeah. 20? 20 years? Yeah. I think my hand's up around, what is it, a quarter now? Quarter century mark? It's graduating high school. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Just a few uh, announcements before we turn to the offering this morning. Just want to uh, remind everyone, of course, just want to direct you to a couple of things, and that is, of course, there's a table here at the front, very nicely decorated. And um, if you get an opportunity, we'd really love for you to do this. If uh, there's, there's some pens and some cards, and there's um, three bags here. And uh, it's just a, 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 an opportunity for you to write a little personal note, encouraging, blessing the graduates. And if you get a chance to do that at some point during our time together, that would be fantastic. Also, um, of course, potluck following. Uh, the service this morning, so just going to continue to celebrate um, all of their accomplishments and uh, and just to bless them as well. Uh, if you have your bulletin, the Vigorville Ministerial Association still needs some help, um, asking some folks from different churches to volunteer about an hour of their time at the tent on Canada Day, and if you're able to do that. That would be fantastic if you could just let Penny know of your availability. Of course, also next Sunday is uh, Father's Day and Family Sunday, our first Family Sunday uh, service that we're, what we're uh, pulling off here. So just want to encourage you to uh, attend and to bring the, the kids and parents, grand, everybody, of course, welcome uh, for that as well. And so I think that covers most of the... Uh, Announcements And, of course, we're on Facebook now, and so just look us up, like us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Maple Street Worship Center, and you'll find us uh, very, very easily. This time I'm going to ask the uh, ushers if they would come forward as we continue to celebrate God's goodness in our lives. How many know that uh, part of His goodness is His provision? And uh, we have an opportunity to love the Lord back and worship Him in our giving, our tithes, and our offerings, and uh, we're just going to 
uh, put that up on the screen this morning. And if we could, uh, if we could just pray this together over the offering. Let's do this together. As we receive today's offering, we're believing you for heaven, heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower greater blessing and increase upon me so I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And God bless you as you give this morning. And I know that you will be blessed as you do. This morning, if you could turn for a few moments into Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And going to be looking at, uh, picking up around verse 30, Mark chapter 6. Just stick a marker in there this morning. That's my subject this morning. The God of more than enough. The God of more than enough. But before we get into that um, text this morning, I just want to read from Ephesians 3 where it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can all ask or than all we can ask or imagine. Now stop and think that for a moment. How many has a big imagination? I see some hands going up. Thank you. You've got a big imagination. Well, Paul says in Ephesians that God is able to do immeasurably that is, in other words, without measure, more then we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just ask your blessing today. Upon this time of celebration, we ask your blessing today, specifically upon the three graduates, Lord, that we are celebrating their accomplishments, their milestone a very important milestone in their lives. We ask, Lord, that you would just continue to lead, guide, and direct them every step of the way. And Father, we pray for those as well, Lord, who have gathered together as part of their family. We ask your blessing upon them. And we also ask, Lord, that you would just open up our minds, our wills, and our hearts to your word today. And that, Lord, we would all in some way be able to, to say that it was good to be in the house of the Lord. To say that we heard from you. That you spoke to our hearts. And that, God, that we would be changed by it. Help us, Lord, to realize how good you are. We thank you that we could celebrate that this morning in the worship. That you are good. 
doesn't matter if the darkness or the night may come, you're still holding on. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, today, once again, just ask for your blessing upon us. May our minds and our hearts be open to what you would have to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Has anybody ever found that uh, you've ever been in need? Can you lift your hand up? You've ever been in need? I think we all probably say that at some point. Has anybody ever, has anybody ever encountered that you need something financially? You've been in need financially. I think pretty well the same amount. Have you ever felt that you need direction in life? I remember when I first, when I, well, I shouldn't say I first graduated high school, I graduated high school once. But I remember many times seeing students who would, who would be making out their college applications. They were making out their scholarship applications. And I felt a little panicked as they were doing that because I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do after the calendar flipped to July of 1992. I had no idea. I knew September was coming fast, so I was a little panicked. And I remember um, our graduation. I remember our safe grad night. And I remember how we played hide-and-seek in the school in the dark. And how there was one guy, he was so flexible, he could actually stuff himself into one of the lockers and close the door. I remember um, the safe grad that we did afterwards, of course, uh, at the high school. We also went to the local bowling alley. And uh, we bowled all through the night. But the thing that really struck me was when I was on the doorstep of the bowling alley and it dawned on me that life was going to change forever after that day, after that moment. Life for me was going to change. And I had absolutely no idea what was coming next. You ever, you ever been finding yourself in a position like that? Where you're in need of something. It could be, like I said before, it could be financial. It could be direction. You could be seeking the Lord's will. But you're looking for something from God. But I want you to know this morning that our God is a God of more than enough. So it doesn't matter if it's finances, it doesn't matter if it's material needs, it doesn't matter if it's doesn't matter if it's a direction you need in your life, of a word from the Lord, if it's finding his will. He is a God who is a God of more than enough. There's no problem. There's no obstacle. There's no mountain that our God cannot take care of. He's a God of more than enough. As Paul said, he is, he is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Did you catch that? It's according to his power that is at work in us. There is a power at work. When we go into Mark 6, and many of us know this text quite well. We know the account quite well. We find that there's a group of people that are there and they, they saw firsthand 
that Jesus was in God, a God of more than enough. When we set up the stage a little bit, we find that uh, the people that are there, they're hungry. It's late in the day. Stomachs are growling. It sounds like my kids at supper time. They've been in church for quite a while. It's been a long day. Jesus has been teaching a lot longer than I preach, just to let you know. And of course, Jesus does a miracle at the time, proving all, beyond all shadow of a doubt, that he is a God of more than enough. Now, the story that we're looking at is a story that many scholars would say is the greatest miracle, that some of them say is the greatest miracle Jesus ever did. We can debate that, and that's not what we're here for this morning. But it's a, it's a story that shows up in all the Gospels. And so it's very important and it's significant that God wanted it to be repeated over and over again. And in Mark's account, we find that Jesus' apostles gives a report to Jesus. They come up to him. And if you go back to the first part of, of Mark 6, you'll find that Jesus had sent out two by two on an evangelistic crusade. They're on a bit of a missionary journey. He'd given them power to cast out demons, to do miracles, to preach, to teach, then come back and to report what they were able to do. And in, so when they came back from that first crusade, they come back to Jesus, they report. And in Mark 6.30, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, and he, and he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So obviously, these guys are hungry. They come back from a journey. They're hungry. They're wanting to report to Jesus everything that's going on. And we find that everywhere that he turns, that there's these groups of people. And so Jesus is on a bit of a roll here. We know that his fame is spreading around the area. People are coming all, from all over just to get close to Jesus, trying to catch a glimpse of him, hear what he had to say. And here's the reason why they're coming around. And we see it in all four Gospels. John's account specifically tells us the people were coming around Jesus because they wanted to see the miracles that he did when he healed people. So there wasn't everybody coming around, according to John, with pure motives. They weren't all coming around Jesus because necessarily that they believed that he was the Son of God. Not everybody wanted to come around Jesus to hear what he was actually teaching on. Instead, they wanted to come around Jesus just to see the miracles, to see the things, the cool stuff that he did. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not against miracles or signs and wonders, but these people, that was their motivation. That's what John's reporting. They came around just to see all the the cool stuff. They wanted to see the signs. And so Jesus says to his disciples, we need to get away from here. So they take a boat, they go by themselves to escape the crowds. And Mark 6, 33 to 34 says, But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot all from the towns and got, to, got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And in verse 35, it says, by, the time, by this time it was late in the day, and so his disciples came to him, 
He said, they said, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples are coming to Jesus. Jesus, we've got a bit of a problem. You've been teaching a really long time, you know. Your sermon has been going way too long. You need to shorten it up. You're a little long-winded today. Even Jesus got on a roll. And, you know, these people are looking at their watches and they're thinking, man, you know, probably the pot roast is probably done by now. Maybe the, the kitchen crew is in there and they got the potluck all ready to go. The table, like, I mean, Jesus, you got to, like, tone it down. You got to, like, you got to keep it a little shorter. You know, don't do a 45 in a 30 zone. So there's this bit of a problem going on. And here's what I really love about the disciples. They just don't tell Jesus they have a problem. They tell Jesus how to fix it. Just send them away. Just send them home. Let them go to Subway. Let them go to pizza, you know, uh, Boston Pizza. Whatever. Just, just send them away. So that's, that's the solution. But notice what Jesus says. Verse 37. But he answered. He said, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, that would take eight months of a man's wages. I could see them now, looking in their robes, looking at each other, digging in their pockets. And the best that they got is probably pocket lint. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? I mean, they looked around. This is not, this is not you know, a crowd of 60 or 70 people on a Sunday morning getting ready for having a potluck. This is pretty significant. So they probably looked around and they thought to themselves, I mean, there was what? You're looking at 5,000 men plus women and children. You're looking at a pretty significant crowd here. And so the disciples are doing, bringing out their calculators. And I don't know if you made 40 or 50 grand a year. It would, it would, it would mean you would cost probably about 30 grand to feed all these people. I'm sure they didn't have a debit card or a credit card in the back. and just said, oh, no problem. We'll take care of all this together. This is quite a significant thing. This is no small amount. And that's not all the problem that there is. Where are we going to get that much food? Even if we had all the money, where would we go get it? There's no Walmart. There's no no frills. There's no co-op. There's no Costco. There's nothing. So we have nothing and nowhere to go. How are we going to take care of this problem? Jesus. Best thing to do is send them away. And if we did have it, how would we keep it warm? How would we keep the, the warm food warm and the cold food cold? They probably wouldn't keep it cold. It'd probably be fairly warm in Palestine. So all these things are going through their mind. And here's the deal. The deal is they forgot who they were talking to. They forgot that Jesus, standing right in front of them, was the God who was the God of more than enough. That's what they forgot. And I want you to tell you the first thing this morning is this. 
and this is for the graduates, and this is for all of us that are here this morning, is that provision is no problem when we serve a God who is a God of more than enough. No problem. You see, they forgot who they were standing in front of. They forgot that they were standing in the one who did the miracles, who did the signs and the wonders. And they were looking at their situation and they were asking the questions, how are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? It would be like you and me standing in front of Niagara Falls with a group of people and asking the question, where are we going to get enough water to get people something to drink? You see, Jesus... Our Jesus, the one whom we serve, the one who has saved us, the one who we testify this morning that he is good, is the God who is the God of more than enough. They forgot that that's who he was. And in verse 38, in verse 38, we discover that we got a little supply here. We discover there's a supply that comes of five loaves and two fish. And as I mentioned earlier, that this story is in all four Gospels. In John's account, it gives us a little more detail of where this comes from. And if you go to John 6, verse 8 and 9, it reads like this. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Notice that. Small barley loaves and small fish. Underscore that. It's small. And the question was, but how far will they go among so many? And so Jesus had sent them out to look for some food. Andrew finds a little bit. And so he comes back and he says, I found a little boy and he's got a little lunch that his mother packed for him and he's got five small barley loaves and two small fish but that's really not a whole lot Jesus that's not really a whole lot what are we going to do with that I mean if all I have was five barley loaves and two small fish and and Logan was hungry I would be concerned if if, if it was just for him let alone the crowd that was before them that morning or that day. What's interesting, though, if you do a little bit of back, uh, a little bit of research on this, you'll discover that this this boy was extremely poor too. He was poor. So he was poor, and how do we know he was poor? He was poor because his bread was made of barley. Barley was considered to be the cheapest grain of the day. And in fact, it was held in contempt. Kind of reminds me of the pink salmon that Wayne was talking about that they were fishing for in Smithers. And of course, him being from Manitoba and him getting pink salmon, he thought that was something great. But to those who were native of B.C., that's the bad stuff. You don't want that pink salmon. And so in this situation, it was the barley, the barley loaves. Barley was held in contempt. It was considered to be animal food. It wasn't fit for human consumption. And so if a family had to eat loaves of bread that came from barley, it meant that they were extremely 
poor. So you have an extremely poor boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. The cheese is getting a little more binding, wouldn't you say? Now, can you imagine if his small barley loaf would probably look more like a dinner roll? We're not talking about a loaf. We're talking about a small thing here. And so he finds this boy with his lunch. And in in essence, he's got some dinner rolls fit for the animals. And then he's got some fish. And these are not market-sized fish, by the way. These aren't like the fish I used to unload from boats. And we get talking about we get talking about seafood the other day, and I just recalled when we had this fisherman come and he would he would have beautiful, beautiful haddock. About that long, about that thick and plump, firm. And when he brought that fish to the to the wharf and we put it in the trough, and I looked at all I could wait for is this thing, just somebody give me a knife so I can cut myself some fillets. But this is not a market-sized haddock. It's not a market-sized cod. Or like they say in Newfoundland, cod. This is just two small fish that this boy has. They're tiny. In fact, chances are, when you look in the Greek, they were likely small, pickled, and salted or cured fish. Kind of sounds like Solomon Gundy. Now, I like Solomon Gundy, but you guys might not. I'm not sure. So there's not a whole lot here is what we're really getting at. And that's all that Andrew found. And how, what are we going to do with that, Jesus? What are we going to do with that? Well, you know, it's, we, look at this, we look at situations in the same way many times. Sometimes we're like that. We look at what we have and we say to ourselves, how in the world am I supposed to make good on this? How in the world am I going to pay the bills with this? How in the world am I going to, as the graduates might be thinking, how in the world am I going to get my degree when there's so little perhaps to depend upon? How many know, I remember one person said that when you finish high school, they see the easy part in life is finished. Because how many understand this morning that when, 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 you, when you pass, you're going into another leg of your journey and you're facing an entirely different new sets of challenges and problems and so on and so forth. But I want to encourage you today, especially the graduates, I want to encourage you that when you're looking at a, what would seem to be an insurmountable problem, don't forget that your Jesus that you serve, the Jesus you were singing about this morning, the Jesus you were playing for, the Jesus that you were saying was good, is a God who can provide for all of your needs because he is a God who is more than enough. You see, sometimes we think, well, you know, if I just had more, God, if you would just give me more, if you gave me 50 barrels and 20 fish, then maybe we were t- if I had 500, 200, maybe we could do something about that. But that's not the way it works sometimes. 
Because the second thing I want us to, 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 to point out this morning is that if we want to experience the God of more than enough, he calls for us to give to him first, and then he gives back. I'm going to say that again. If we want to experience the God of more than enough, he calls for us to give to him first, and then he gives back to us. We can see a principle here in Malachi 3, verses 8 and 10. Where it reads, if a man, will a man rob God, yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. The principle here is that if we give the small amount, God is going to open up the floodgates of heaven and he'll pour out more than enough. Amen? Luke 6 says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put back into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You can try to squash it down. You can try to fit it into the container, but it'll still just run over. You see, when we give to God what he gives to us, he's the one who's going to bring the excess. And that's what that little boy did. That little boy turned over his little lunch his five small barley loaves, his five, his two small fish. He gave to Jesus all that he had. And I want us to understand this morning that that is what God is asking all of us to do. Graduates this morning, I want you to, I want you to remember one thing, and I'll probably say it at the end of the service again. And I wrote it on your cards just so you know, so you won't forget. I had a pastor... When I had graduated from high school, I had a pastor that he gave me a plaque. And on the back of the plaque, he wrote the words, Only one life to live, it'll soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. I haven't forgot that. I remember the handwriting, and it served, it, it served me for the 25 years since I've graduated from high school. And this is what this boy did that day. That, that boy, that young boy, turned over all that he had, all that his mama had packed for him, and turned it over. And listen, here's how it goes. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in the groups. He's talking to the disciples on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fishes, and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. We're just talking about the men here. 5,000 guys munching on five barley loaves and two fish. And they're full. Wow. He takes a small boy's lunch, basically five 
barley loaves, a couple sardines, and when you put it into Jesus' hands, what does he do? He multiplies it. He multiplies it. We're talking 5,000 men. There's probably 15, at least 15,000 people. This was not counting the women and children. 15,000, full, satisfied. You see, they discovered that day the God who was more than enough. And here's the issue here. The third thing I want to point out is that when we give to Jesus, we get in on the miracle. When we give to Jesus, we get on in on the miracle. Now, notice it doesn't say, it doesn't, it, it, excuse me, it, it says that not only did they have enough, it says that they had more than enough because there were 12 basketfuls left after they had all finished eating. It's interesting about those basketfuls. I've heard some pastors over the years say that the 12 basketfuls were left over and there were 12 disciples, so that's why there was one basket for each of them because they could take and and eat as well. And maybe, maybe, maybe there was enough left over for for the boy to take home to his mother and maybe his siblings. I have no idea, but there was more than enough there that day. It was more than enough. So what is it saying? It says that when you give, it'll be given to you. When you give to God, as I said before, He will open up the floodgates of heaven and He will pour out a blessing upon your life that you will not be able to contain it. You see, Jesus gave that leftover to this little guy and all of a sudden this little guy who left home with just five barley loaves. They probably maybe even sent him back and said, here, here, you take the 12 basketfuls. And maybe when he got home, I don't know, I'm just using my imagination this morning. Maybe when he got home, they said, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm home. They might have looked at him and said, what is that, all that? Well, let me tell you what happened. I just showed up one day, and some guy comes up to me, and he takes me, and he asks if he can use my lunch. And I give my lunch to this guy, they named, his name Jesus, and you should have seen what, what he did with it, Mom. My little lunch that I was going to have with the, with, the, with the loaves and the fishes, he took it and he actually fed thousands of people. And this is what was left over from the five and the two that you gave me. Where are we going with all this, you might ask? Well, can I challenge us this morning to say that there's times in our lives when God asks us of something and we think, what do I have to offer? And like Pastor Dave had said a couple weeks ago, the question to Moses is, what is in your hand, Moses? And all Moses had was a staff. He had a rod. Some of us have a lot more than a rod or a staff. Some of us have talents, abilities that are natural and they're supernatural because God has gifted you with something. And sometimes we feel that it's inadequate. I've told people, I said, listen, if you can bake an apple pie, 
God can use your life to be a blessing. You can be a blessing in my life if you can bake an apple pie. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 5926-49A Street. <laughs> Christian might say, no, no, he needs to slim down. <laughs> I've heard people say, well, I can't sing, I can't do, I can't whatever. No, that's not the point. The point is, is that God has given something to each and every one of us. He's given us, he's given us time. How many have time? He's given you an, a talent or an ability. He's given you treasures. That sounds familiar, time, talent, and treasure. Wow, that sounds familiar. And you know what God is saying? If you want to get in on the miracle, if you want your life to count for something, if you want to see God do something through you, then what you need to be willing to do is give to the Lord the, little, the thing that you perceive to be small. You think it might be small. But if you place it in God's hands... He doesn't use it to add. He, he uses it and he puts it into his divine calculator and all of a sudden now it multiplies. It becomes a blessing in someone else's life. It reminds me of the parable of the talents. You remember the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, real quick. You had one that had five talents, one that had two, and the other guy had one. The one that had five invested and got five more. The one had two invested and got two more. The other one had one buried it. And I just want to let you know, if you haven't read that, when the master came back, he wasn't that impressed by the one that buried it. In fact, he called that servant not really what I want to hear. But to the other ones that took what God gave them and invested it into the kingdom of God, he said that you're a good and faithful servant. Now, how does this apply to the graduates? Well, listen, the graduates have done their thing with high school. As some people say, they got, these guys got the world by the tail. And I'm going to challenge them this morning. I want to challenge all of us, but I want to challenge the graduates for a moment. God has given you abilities and giftings, and he has a call and a destiny on your life. And I want you to know that, first of all, he is better than any personal ambition. He's better than fame or fortune. He's better than any temptation. I challenge you this morning that as you are looking toward the future, do not get your eyes off of Jesus. Remember, he is the one who has blessed you with the life that you have. Make your life count for the kingdom. Invest your life in the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other things God will take care of. But folks, isn't that message the same for us this morning? It's the same for us this morning. There are some of us here this morning, we need to take good inventory. We need to ask ourselves a question. Because you might be saying, man, I haven't got much in my bag either. Mine's maybe three barley loaves and one fish. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you perceive that you have. 
question is, is are you going to invest it? Are you going to give it over to Jesus? Are you going to put it in his hands? Because when you lay it and you put it in the hands of Jesus, he will do miraculous things with it. Amen? And that boy that day got into a miracle. There's a true story that tells us what God can do with very little. I've heard people say, as an example, talking about resources. Well, you know, I could do a whole lot more if God would bless me with more money. I remember John Hagee saying, God is not concerned about the $10. He, he says, not, it's not that God can't get the money to you. That's what it is. He, can't, he can get the money to you. The problem is getting the money through you. But God can do a whole lot with a very little. In fact, God can do a whole lot with 57 cents. I don't know if you heard the story or not, but God can do a lot with 57 cents. There was a little girl, and she was sobbing. She stood near a church from which she had been turned away because the church was too crowded. And she cried, and she said, I can't go to Sunday school. She told the pastor as she walked by, and noticing her shabby, unkempt appearance, the pastor guessed the reason why. And taking her by the hand, he took her inside, and he found a place for her in the Sunday school class. She was so touched that she went to bed that night thinking of the children who had no place to learn about Jesus. And two years later, this child lay dead in one of the poor buildings. And the parents called for the kind-hearted pastor who had befriended their daughter to handle the arrangements. And as her poor little body was being moved, there was a worn, a worn and crumbled purse that was found, that, seemed, that they found when they were rummaging through some of the trash. And inside was 57 cents. And there was a note scribbled in childish handwriting that read this. It said, to help keep, or excuse me, to, this is to help build the church, the little church bigger, so more children can go to Sunday school. 57 cents, so they can make the church bigger. And so for two years, she had saved an offering of love that amounted to 57 cents. So when the pastor read the note, he knew exactly what he was going to do with it. He carried the note, and he carried the cracked red pocketbook to the pulpit, and he told the story of her unselfish love and devotion, and he challenged his deacons to get busy and raise enough money for a larger building. So the newspaper learned the story, and they published it. And a realtor offered them a parcel of land worth many thousands of dollars and when he told the church couldn't afford to pay for it he offered the land for 57 cents and so the church members got in on it and they made donations and checks came in from far and wide and within five years that little girl's gift of 57 cents had multiplied to a quarter of a million 
dollars. Now, at that time, we're talking, this happened at the turn of the 20th century. So it's a whole lot more money than just $250,000. And her unselfish love paid huge, huge dividends. And they say today that if you visit the city of Philadelphia and you look up the Temple Baptist Church with a seating capacity of 3,300 and Temple University where thousands of students have been trained and you look at Good Samaritan Hospital and the Sunday school building that houses hundreds of students so that no child in the area would ever have to be turned away you will find a picture who sacrificially saved and gave 57 cents. And alongside of her portrait is the pastor, the author of Acres of Diamonds, which goes to show what God can do when someone gives an unselfish gift of love. It's amazing what God did that day among probably 15,000 hungry bellies with five loaves and two fish, a little boy's lunch. Amazing what God did with a little girl's savings, these seven cents. But you see, when you put the five loaves and the two fish and you put the 57 cents into the hands of God, when you put your talents when you put your abilities, whatever God has given you, whether you think it's big or whether you think it's small, the challenge this morning is this, is not only trust Him for provision, not only recognize who He is, but recognize that the blessings that He has given us are not for us to hold on to, but they are blessings that he has given us so that we can be a blessing to others. So that we can be of service in the kingdom of God. So you might say this morning, oh, pastor, I really don't have a whole lot of gifts and talents and whatever. Prayerfully consider and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to invest in the kingdom? You might perceive it to be small. But you put it in the hands of Jesus and just watch what he'll do with it. And that's a message that we all need to take home in our hearts today. Amen? Amen. I want to ask the worship team to come back for a few moments. If they would, praise God. And I really, I don't know about you, I really like that song this morning, King of My Heart. King of my heart. I want to ask this question this morning. If you know the God who is the God of more than enough, is he the king of your heart? Is he sitting on the throne of your heart this morning? Can we stand this morning as we, as we just, in response to this message this morning? Hallelujah.
praise his name. So let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Bless his name. Maybe there's someone in here this morning and, and you have been, you, you think, you know, I really don't have a whole lot of, of anything significant to give back to the Lord. You know, I, I sense maybe a willingness to want to do something, but I don't really sense that I got a whole lot to offer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for, for just a few moments, just to give people a little bit of room to, to respond. I don't know if you've ever felt like that or not, but is there anybody here who has ever felt like that? I don't have a whole lot that's significant to give to the Lord. Well, take the lesson from this message this morning. Five barley loaves and two fish and 57 cents. Well, if you've got more than that, even if you've got less than that, it doesn't matter what the amount is. God can use it. And the question that we had this morning is, are we willing to trust Him? Are we willing to work with Him? Are we willing to have our faith in Him? The one who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Folks, if we don't sow, we'll never reap. If we never invest, we never get a return. The most important thing that we invest is our hearts and our lives. And once he has our hearts and he has our lives in his hands, the other things come easy. So today, graduates, congregation, can, can, we, can we just make this morning a time of response to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Today, I renew my commitment to you. And I give you my heart, King Jesus. I give you my life into your hands afresh. And because you are the Lord over all, because you are sovereign, and because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, Lord, today, whether we perceive it to be something big or something small, Lord, today, you have access. I give you access to everything in my life. I give you access. Could we do, Lord, we give you access today. Everything that we have is yours. It's not mine. We're just renting it while we're here. And Lord, if you speak to my heart to give 10 or 10,000, if you give, if you play, if you speak to my heart to give of my time or my talents or whatever that it is, Lord, give me a willingness to believe, a willingness to to trust, a willingness to know that when I place whatever that it is in your hands, that you will use it to perform the miraculous. 
You'll feed the hungry. And you'll provide for those who need to know you. Lord, we come this morning and we just ask today that you would afresh to speak to our hearts and that, God, that we would be willing to place everything in your hands. Knowing that, God, when we give to you, you open up the floodgates of heaven and you bless us so that we can continue to be the blessing. Hallelujah. Can we sing that together? Let the King
this morning to believe that God won't let you down? Do you believe that God won't let you down? He's so good. He's so good. He will not let you down. Amen? I'm going to ask that again. I'm not totally convinced. Do you believe that God is so good, He's never, ever going to let you down? Then can I just challenge us? And I just felt the Lord was saying this this morning. Is that if we truly believe that, then we need to move past our fears and we need to let go. We need to let go the past that prevents us from moving into our future. I can relate to that. We left, we left a lot behind in the Maritimes. But we had to let it go in order to embrace the future that God had for us. There's sometimes that God is calling us and saying, listen, I want you to put your last five bucks in. God is saying, I want you to step out of your comfort zone. Like when he called the disciples to step out of the boat. And like when that little boy, he had to let go of that bag. That little girl had to release the 57 cents. And if we believe that God is a God of more than enough, that He is a good God, that He will never let us down, then it's time that we take action. And whatever God is speaking to your heart, whatever whatever He's been tapping you on the shoulder about at 3 a.m. and speaking to you and wanting a meeting with you, whatever He is saying, that if we truly believe it, then it's time that we act upon it. It's time that we say, God, everything that I think is mine is actually yours. It's yours, King Jesus. It's yours for your kingdom. And I voluntarily lay my life down for your sake today. Knowing that when I give and invest my life and everything that you have blessed me with into your kingdom, you will use it, you will multiply it, you'll produce miracles, you'll bless others, you will build the kingdom. You will build the kingdom through what I give to you. And can you imagine if we partnered with someone else and someone else and someone else and the next thing you know you get numerous people saying I am going to be sold out because I believe that my God can provide for me when I give my last hundred he'll, he'll bless me with more so I can be a channel not a, re- not a reservoir not something that's like the dead sea where there's nothing coming in and nothing going out but I'll be a conduit. I'll be able to allow the blessings and the favor and the mercy and the blessings and the love and the compassion of Jesus flow through my life to build the kingdom. Because folks, there's a world right now. They're looking for the kingdom and they don't know it. They're looking for Jesus and they don't know it. Could we be kingdom-minded? And graduates, this is messages for you this morning too. As you're looking to the future, don't Take your eyes off of the will of God and seeking Jesus because he has a destiny for you. And the enemy wants to snuff you out. The enemy wants to derail you off of the tracks that God is laying. I've seen too many young people serving the Lord in their youth. 
And by the time they're 30, they're nowhere near God. They're nowhere near the church. And church, we need to pray for our young people. We need to pray for our graduates because they have a destiny that God has for them. And they need to continue to hold on to the truth that he's good. He'll never let you down. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's a plan for your life. And it's good. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. Amen? It's a good plan. Praise his name. Hallelujah.